Greetings, greetings, everybody. It's such an honor to be with you another time. Today, I'm here with a message entitled, These Kind. That's right. The title of this message is, These Kind. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important strategic weapon of spiritual warfare, which is fasting. Now, I think uh, um, I've got to make clear, even before I venture in, that fasting isn't something that belongs exclusively to the kingdom of God. There are many religious organizations and the kingdom of darkness in particular that also practice fasting. So fasting is universally accepted as a great as a great tool in spiritual warfare. Now we believe as kingdom citizens, as believers in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, that great is he that is in us, that he that is in the world. So we believe that we already have the victory. This is like a Moses and Pharaoh showdown all over again. But the key thing to remember is fasting God's way is the way that we show up to battle the way Moses showed up to battle in the kingdom of Pharaoh. Amen. So today we're going to go in, and like I said, the title is These Kind, and we're going to be talking about fasting. But first of all, I want to share with you from the book of Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21, and it says, And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man, and to him is Jesus, of course, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and off into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him, sorry, bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence the under place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. So we come to our topic today, and after that lengthy read, we want to dive in. There are a couple of things we can pull out of the scripture here and if we read a couple of verses earlier and and you'll see that um, Jesus is fresh off the mount of transfiguration as a matter of fact 
he is just coming down the mountain now to behold the situation that has happened. And if you take note on this trip to the Mount of Transfiguration, our Lord took with him Peter, James, and John, which are known as the inner three or the core, the inner core. And it is not by mistake that he took them. And, and I don't want to encourage any separatist activity, but I, I want to say this. God promises that if we seek him, we're going to find him. In Proverbs, he says, I love those that love me, and they that seek me early shall find me. That's Proverbs 8 and 17, I believe. So God has a special reward for those that yearn. You know, like the psalmist says, as the deer panted after the water brooks, so panted my soul after thee. God has a special reward for those that yearn and seek after him and desire him, that want him. Because, you know, we're not robots, of course. We all have a stake in our relationship with God. He says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. All of this is talking about seeking the face of God. And I believe of the disciples, those three men had demonstrated to Jesus that they, they were really in love with him. And, um, you know, parents often say, and I'm not trying to get parents in any trouble or anything, that they love all of their children the best. But I believe secretly... Um, parents take note of those that do the extra effort, you know, they they have an, a, a comparison thing going on and they notice who does the extra or goes the extra mile to get their attention or their affection and I believe it's something that because we're made in God's image, God knows those that puts in the extra effort, those that spend time, dedicate time to be with him, to abide with him. And Peter, James, and John demonstrated this. And I believe that that's why they were up on the mount and the other nine were down in the valley. And the experience, I believe, I believe that the experience which the nine had was a testament to their belief system or their level of belief in what God was able to do. Now, Jesus returns to the valley after this great um, revealing with uh, Moses and Elijah. And he meets the situation going down. And this man brings his son. As the scripture says, he's a lunatic needs to be delivered of the spirit and the disciples long story short could not do it now Jesus does it of course because he's all he's able he does the deliverance I I don't know maybe the other three could have done it we don't know that but Jesus took action and he delivered this boy from this lunatic spirit now of course, now the question that's burning within the nine is, hey, 
we've delivered other spirits. How come we've delivered other spirits? Sorry, how come we can deliver this one? And Jesus gives the answer. The galvanizing answer is because of your unbelief. Why I believe this is important is because this is not the first time unbelief enters into the story. If you recall, when Jesus addressed the man, the man was blunt and honest, and he said. Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. Jesus was basically asking, do you believe your son can be made whole? And his answer to Jesus was, Lord, I believe, but help mine unbelief. Now, I want you to take note. Excuse me. Take note that although he made this confession, there is no record in Scripture where um, anything natural or tangible was done to see what occurred to help his unbelief if you're following me in other words the man acknowledged that he was not a hundred percent or sorry a hundred percent in belief that Jesus was able to do this thing it's like he was saying Lord I'm 50 percent there and I need you to help me with the rest and that honesty, I believe, was enough to get him in the door for the miracle for his son. But there were still some things that were necessary or something that was necessary. And I believe, according to what we're seeing here in the scripture, that that thing was fasting. Because take note, the, the disciples are workers with Jesus. They are the one that should be dem- be doing demonstration of miracle signs and wonders in this account. This is one that they've met and they could not. Because remember that testimony beforehand was, Lord, even the, the, the demons are subject to us. But now when they come to this, this account, they're having an issue. So Jesus is telling them, look here, your issue is unbelief. And here is how you deal with the unbelief here's how you deal with unbelief you've got to acknowledge that there's a different kind but before we tap into that part he said here's how you deal with unbelief by prayer and fasting ah boy now it's amazing Jesus gives them the recipe to increase their faith because the opposite of faith is unbelief, right? There are many that may argue with that, but faith and unbelief are at the opposite sides of the fence. I'm sure we would agree with that. So, here is how you deal with your unbelief. You have to exercise your faith. There was no doubt that the disciples had some faith because they tried to bring deliverance to this boy, but they failed or they didn't accomplish it. So Jesus is saying to them, here is how you deal with your unbelief or here is how you increase your faith through prayer and fasting because this kind that you're dealing with, hence our topic, these kinds, they 
prayer and fasting because they are on another level. So what is fasting? Let's dive into that. Fasting is to abstain from all or some kinds of food or drink, especially as a religious observance. This is, of course, the dictionary definition. So fasting, in a nutshell, is abstention for a time period. It is a sacrifice of oneself, and particularly in consumption of food and drink. There are many things that have been added to the fasting routine, um, as I believe for a desire of effectiveness and avoidance of distraction, and I believe those things are warranted, but at the core of it, fasting is the abstention of, or extension from, food or drink for a period of time. And uh, to prove that, Isaiah 58 and 6 says this, Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of the wickedness, to loose the bands of wickedness, sorry, to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke. So fasting has the ability to undo yokes, as the scripture says, says to loose the bands of wickedness once, to undo heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free that he break every yoke. So fasting in turn is something that we do primarily. Let's be real here now. We do fasting primarily to release us. These things described in Isaiah 58 and 6, these things personally that happen primarily in us because it, it's. I don't believe it's possible for us to expect others to receive these breakthroughs or deliverances if they're not happening in us first. Loosing the bands of wickedness done, do heavy burdens to let the oppressed go free and that we break every yoke. I believe that, say for example, and, I, and I, I'm not saying that we don't fast for others, but I believe that simultaneously fasting is so powerful that the work primarily is being done in us. And, and, and if you need a case in point, when Jesus said to the disciples that these kind go not out by prayer and fasting, remember I said that he's trying to get them to increase their faith and to diminish their unbelief. So he was basically trying to topple the scale and cause unbelief to become more faith. Because they had a measure of faith now. Let's not say they didn't have any faith. <laughs> yes, let's say they didn't have any faith to begin. But what was obviously being noted by our Lord was that their faith was not being saved. So he did say, oh, faithless and perverse generation. And, and he said that, I believe, because their faith was not on display. If they had faith, there was no evidence. Because it is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. But faith is verified by works. In this situation, 
there is no faith. So, so we understand why Jesus says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. So, he wanted their unbelief to diminish and their faith to increase. So, in order for that to happen, there had to be some, some bands that had to be broken. Or some bands of some wicked wickedness. I'm sorry, some loose the bands of wickedness and the burdens had to be lifted. The, they had to be free of oppression and the yokes had to be destroyed in their lives so that it would translate to others. I hope I'm making sense. So fasting is, is very important. It's very important to address the spiritual matters that are not uh, I guess we can say readily visible to the naked eye but fasting it, it undoes those things so let's look at some more benefits of fasting 1st Corinthians 9 and 27 sorry 1st Corinthians 9 and 27 says but I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection lest that by any means, when I have preached others, I myself should be a castaway. And this is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthians. And he's showing us how vital fasting is in helping us to maintain a life of humility. Now, the truth is, I believe that God, would, God has given us the tool of fasting to use so that we will avoid humiliation somewhat and I say avoid because we do pray lead us not into temptation but the rest from evil that is how we were taught to pray but I believe fasting exists as that thing that tool that helps us to remain teachable and the Apostle Paul I think he, I believe he should be admired for stating this here to the Corinthians because he was a mighty man of God but he understood that he, he was only mighty or God was only using him because of his subjection because he brought his body into subjection because he understood, although I preached to many and seen many being delivered, healed, and set free, I still can be a castaway. I still can miss the mark. I still can lose my way. So, so that that isn't doesn't happen, here is a preventative. Here is a preventative measure. Now, I think this is important to take note because I'm not saying that God will altogether spare us humiliation. Um, I'm sure when you look over the word of God, we can see many examples of men and women of God that had to endure some humiliation. Case in point, and um, a lot of it is self-inflicted, but nonetheless, humiliation and humility they go hand in hand in some cases I believe God will allow us to go through it because he knows we can bear it because on the other side of it there is going to be a great testimony for his name's sake and there's going to be a victory that is won so I'm not going to discount 
humiliation altogether. God is sovereign. But I believe as a keepsake, we have fasting that helps us to remain in check. Listen to verse 7 of Isaiah 58. Is it not to dear thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? So, you know, fasting opens us up to even be more charitable. And, you know, what we would have consumed, this is an ideal time to bless somebody else with it. You're probably not going to be a meal or two or three for that day. Here's an opportunity for you to be a blessing to somebody else who, who is not, of course, engaging in your fast. And now they can have their need met. So that's another blessing. You know, that's something we probably never considered. But according to the Isaiah 58 um, fast, this is something that God would like us to engage in. To deal our bread to the hungry, clothe the naked, you know, do something for somebody else. So, although fasting may have received um, by history a reputation of just being locked away, tucked away somewhere, and that's important, but there are other elements to it as well because not everyone has that luxury. I'm sorry, there are some of us that still have to work while we fast and things of that nature. So, why not while you have to interact with others why not take this opportunity to be a blessing so fasting enables us to be the blessing god has enabled us to be and uh, lastly as the scripture verse 8 of isaiah 58 says then shall thy light break forth as the morning and thine health bring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. So, so because of the yoke destroying, burden bearing, or lifting power fasting, we get to experience the glory of God. And the glory of God is not come compartmentalized. It's, it covers every area of our life. Health is mentioned. Righteousness is going to go before you. You're going to be walking in the ways of God, led and guided by His Spirit. Because the glory, the glory of God is going to be our reward. And you know, the glory of God is all-encompassing. It's not just delegated to your finances or your health or your marriage or your family or your job. It covers everything. So it's like fasting opens the floodgates. That's one of the great benefits of fasting. But I I, I want us to understand and I want to go back to what I mentioned earlier about fasting being the universal language, I'll use the word language in this um, instance for submission and sacrifice. You know, if you, I know if you considered, but, you know, when those that operate in the kingdom of darkness do their rituals, which normally incorporates fasting for a number of days, 
they are adamant fasters. One of the things that they do is they do sacrifices. Beside their spiritual fast, there are external sacrifices. There are some of them that visit graves and all type of things or shrines in order to facilitate or appease the deity. They are trying to entice because let's not get it twisted here now. Fasting, I believe, doesn't necessarily get God to move because I believe God is always moving. God is sovereign. But I believe what fasting does is it moves us out of the way so that God can move. Quite often, if we're honest, God uh, has to move us out of the way or use a tool like fasting so that we can see ourselves. There are so many times I can remember, especially as a young Christian and even as as an adult Christian, when I would be on a fast and, you know, it would be the day of the fast and I'm going through the fast and instances would arise and I would notice my tone in addressing somebody and I and that was something that the Holy Ghost would quicken me and say, you see that? Yeah, that's something you need to work on. It's like I became, fasting made me so receptive and teachable because now this flesh is not a subjection. You're no longer uh, supplying its basic need, which is to eat and drink. So now it's humble now. It's pliable and it's workable. So now the Spirit of God has control and it can speak freely and you can hear it because you're in tune. And that is another thing we've got to address. We've got to take note of the difference between a fast unto God and, let me see, I want to be nice, and a a period when we decide to go on a hunger strike. We've got to note, take note of the difference between a hunger strike and a fast unto God because we've got to know there's a thin line. For example, a hunger, hunger strike is when you just decide not to eat anything and you just go about your business as usual. It means the only thing that you change is the fact that you're not going to eat or drink anything. A fast is unto God, rather, is more calculated because now you've decided not just not to eat and drink, but you've decided to silence everything else, which in some cases means your cell phone, your television, your friends and family as much as you can. All of the external distractions, you've turned them off or to a minimum so that you can focus in and hear the voice of God. Because remember now, drawing nigh to Him is how He draws nigh to us. We've got to give God the invitation to come. God wants so much to come, but He needs an invitation. He's the gentleman. He's not going to bust your door down and jump into your heart. He wants you to invite Him. Fasting is that way that we get to invite God. So I want to encourage you. You may be looking at your life and there are a lot of things that you're dealing with. You're going to war with them, but I would ask you 
to take note of them and ask yourself, am I fighting the right way? You know, sometimes we pick up our fists, and if you will notice on the flyer for this particular message series, you're going to see a hand, or you're going to see both, two hands. One is going to be a half prayer stance, and then the other one is going to be a fist going into it. Or basically, let me explain it so you can understand. One is going to be a hand in a blocking position, and the other one is going to be a fist going into the hand. And you probably never looked at that stance as nothing else but somebody blocking a fist. But I want you to look at it like this. Besides it being a warfare being engaged there, I want you to see two different dimensions of warfare. There is the spiritual warfare represented by what I call the half-free hand. That hand that's blocking is a, a hand. Let's see it now. Let's see it with me now as a hand that's partially in the prayer position. And then the fist is uh, is the hand that is that represents physical works. So let's look at it from this perspective. The half praying hand is faith, right? Your faith in action or your faith in demonstration, prayer. And then you have the hand as works, so faith and works. Look at those hands, and I want you to see them even as the series goes on as faith and works coming together. That's true warfare. True warfare, I believe, is is a combination of faith and works. So see that hand that's blocking as a half prayer hand that represents faith, and the hand that's engaging it in the fist form as works. Faith and works are necessary so that we can see God move and do great things in our lives. So I want to encourage somebody out there, even as I begin to wrap this up, those, there's some these kind in your life and they need us to fight the right way. You've probably done it by rowing and chewing people's heads off or probably retaliating on others. But God has given us a specific way to fight in the spirit. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual rulers and, and heavenly and darkness and heavenly places. So we've got to be prepared to do the things that will address the warfare or the spirits that's attacking us. And prayer and fasting are two vital vital components. So address these kind fasting and I believe because God is faithful you will have the victory blessings on you greetings greetings you've been listening to the soul place and it was such an honor to have you stop by well until next time Blessings on you.